Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. Okay, here we go. Is that the tagline I said I was going to use? Something like that. Here we are. Here we go. Here we are. It's an episode with Judah. Back to the beginnings, the origin. What's going to happen here? It's uh, it's pretty simple. We're going to talk about anger. It's going to veer into politics, and we're going to steer that thing right back onto the Assembly of Silence road. Through the miracle of the Assembly of Silence moment. Okay, if you like it and you want to support it, patreon.com. It's in the show notes. Or you can send crypto, as per the addresses in the show notes. And if you don't want to do that, then tell everyone you know about it, okay? That seems only fair, right? Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Okay. It's Judah. He's back. Wow, it's been a while. Can you hear yourself good? I can. It's been a while. It has been a long time. Mm-hmm. Too long. <sighs> but here we are. So let's not dwell on the past. <laughs> no should us. <laughs> should have done this soon. Nope. <laughs> not going to should on ourselves here. It's one thing I tell all of the, all of the uh, clients I work with. Uh-huh. Just don't ever should on yourself. It's a good phrase. It's a little bit of a cliche, but hey. Yeah, that's right. I was having an argument recently with someone about, you know, whether or not cliches are of any value. Ah, oh, they're totally of value. Absolutely, right? It's just a really efficient way of conveying an idea that, you know, society has kind of codified. We all know what it means, essentially, right? It's a little turn of phrase that kind of gets the point across without having to spell it out for everyone every single time. <laughs> who cares if it's unoriginal? That's right, exactly. It gets the point across. That's all that matters. Did you hear that, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about? We have no idea, mm. as usual. You know, I, I was sitting here thinking about uh, the anger issue we were just discussing. Uh, oh, well, I know. <laughs> okay, you sure. Know, the uh, the ability to hold somebody else's anger right and you know what to do with your own and what to do with your own exactly uh-huh. in, in that moment but uh, I, I think we're anger illiterate hmm. that's in, a good way to put it in this country that's not a cliche that is not <laughs> anger illiterate yes anger illiterate although anger is such a huge part of our society mm-hmm you know, it seems like anger, like quite often in, in the films, for instance, anger is the thing that motivates the protagonist to do the deed that could not have previously been conceived of, something along those lines. Right, but then it's always portrayed as coming out all sideways, like with violence and and um, revenge and mm-hmm. um, I, can't, I can't think of the word so that I, I really want to use, but... It seems that anger often does lead towards those things, but certainly it doesn't need to and if we were more accustomed to it better better familiar with it it might be less likely to end up with those destructive types of outcomes exactly mm-hmm. exactly anger doesn't have to be destructive as uh as public image limited johnny rotten once oh, said my yes anger is an energy <laughs> i think those basically the entire well not the entire lyrics that's the main lyric of the whole song 
it's kind of an interesting thing to consider because, of course, there's a somewhat neutral statement there. Anger is an energy, right? And not necessarily positive or negative energy. It's an energy. Right. And I guess the implication is that it can be used in some way to, um, you can ride anger, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It can, it can, it's obviously a very visceral energy. Yep. I guess the question is, what the heck is it indicating? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, some circles that I swim in say that anger is um, basically letting you know that perhaps you're, you're, it's a way of knowing some of your boundaries have been crossed. Interesting. Yep. That fits. Uh, the way that I typically think about it is in Chinese five element theory, anger is associated with liver uh, disharmony. Mm. And so liver is the organ associated with the wood element and wood has that rising property mm-hmm. and wood is associated with the uh, visceral direction of life. Like life wants to rise up and assert itself. And so anger is the result of having that rising up cut off in some way or another where you feel like the thing that you're out to do is being um, threatened or there's been an obstacle unnecessarily placed in your way, something along those lines. Mm, mm, mm. So, yeah, and obviously that's pretty much a universal experience. Like we're all going to end up having – how did you phrase it? That we're going to end up having an anger response to things that appear oh. to be getting in our way right. somewhere or another. Or having Some, our boundaries crossed. Yeah, that's, that's what I was trying to get back to. So yeah, that feels like a violation. So something right. which is directed at us, I think, has a tendency to provoke way more anger. Although some people can get pretty angry even about things that are essentially inert and that have no intention in them whatsoever. So Absolutely, absolutely. That would express a lot of liver cheese stagnation i guess Mm -hmm. and it it makes me wonder if you know with if what they say the the liver is the seat of of emotions right and i believe in Hmm. i think in chinese medicine it's thought of that that each organ has its associated emotion Mm -hmm. when it's in imbalance when it's in balance Mm -hmm. Uh yeah so is a toxic liver or is a sluggish liver more prone is that person more prone to um Anger? Well, or? you know, you have the classic angry drunk, right? Oh, and my. So alcohol yeah. is a real burden on the liver. Never, never thought about that before. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, so it's, it's um, you know, becoming familiar with the territory or the terrain of anger and knowing when when one is angry and being able to acknowledge it in that moment mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling angry right now mm-hmm. and, and being able to know what is it that's triggering this anger and, and be able to use it as a motivating force absolutely either to set boundaries mm-hmm. or to reclaim uh, 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 your boundaries mm-hmm. right if, you've, if they've been breached and um, but not to have it come out in um, the toxic masculine way. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, you, you got to wonder the extent to which one is able to control really intense anger. I'm not sure. I guess, yeah. you know, being reasonable and kind of level-headed about it, 
uh, operates up to a point. Mm. But I think mm-hmm. that there are circumstances that occur within the experience of human beings <laughs> on a somewhat unfortunately regular basis where <laughs> – you know, you are kind of pushed beyond that level. And, you know, some of that may have to do with, like, your predisposition, the idea that you have about what's acceptable, unacceptable, what anger actually means. So some people are way more reactive than others. But I think even the most, you know, with the exception of an absolute saint, <laughs> yes. someone who has managed to wrest incredible control over their uh, reactive control, uh, capabilities, um, there is a limit, and that that limit can be, uh, you know, there is sort of a short fuse in all of us. Well, I would, I mean, you know, it, uh, I mean, if we want to talk about saints, we could bring up the uh, penultimate saint of Christ, right? And he got a little pissed off at the money changers. And yes, and, as my teacher <laughs> says, uh, Jesus lost his temper in the temple. Yes, he did, mm-hmm. and he flipped over the the tables of the money changers. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. He yep. He lost his. And, uh, his, he shit. Lost his yeah, he, yeah, he lost his temper, and <laughs> and it's kind of like everything went south at that point. <laughs> yeah. So don't mess with the money changers. <laughs> It's really the, that's the lesson there. Uh, don't mess with the banks. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. They have the power. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. Yeah. And and they're you know yeah we don't want to get into that. No, we don't. <laughs> don't want to make anyone angry. <laughs> so how about that impeachment? I mean, <laughs> oh, I got to edit that out. <laughs> I think I think the entire podcast has been derailed. <laughs> I'm about to get very angry. <laughs> mm. oh. It's tricky though because there are plenty of circumstances where it's really quite reasonable for people to be angry. I mean, oh, absolutely. You know, people are living in circumstances that are profoundly unfair. You know, I just saw recently a, a some footage of a guy who is in on his property while the police are conducting some kind of a, an exercise or a raid, and it's like this military police thing, you know, as a SWAT team, they're in his neighborhood. He's on the porch of his house videotaping what's going on, and then he ends up getting arrested just for videotaping it by, you know, camouflage-dressed police who come up and, you know, trespass on his property or his sister's property or something. And uh, without a warrant, arrest him for videotaping an exercise that's happening in their neighborhood. Now, that's enough to make someone really yeah. angry, you know? He actually, I mean, from what I could tell, everyone was very frightened, you know, and the video gets really disjunct by the time the police are coming up and getting him. But then they interviewed him afterwards, and he seemed relatively calm, like very had a very good presence of mind. But I can see how, you know, people who are having to deal with circumstances like that yeah. You know, and, and there are a lot of situations where people now have been really abused and taken advantage of by various aspects of the system, you know, yeah. regardless of whether it's the banking system or mm-hmm. the healthcare system mm-hmm. or the political system, mm-hmm. uh, educational system. It's like you mm-hmm. name it, you know, mm-hmm. or corporate life in some ways. You know, a lot of people have been really mistreated in all kinds of different ways. And it's a, an incredible amount of anger that's building up in our society. 
And we can see it in all kinds of different ways. It makes itself evident within the entertainments, right? But yep. you can see it on the streets too. Yep. Like you can feel the anger that, that's there. And in some respects, you could say, well, that is what Trump rode into office. Yes. Was that, you know, the frustration, anger, disappointment, all of that is really the reason why people are like, you know what? Screw it. We're not voting for what we perceive to be a business as normal and and was, would have been, right? You know, we want, I mean, it was basically like they wanted Sanders or Trump. Yeah. It's pretty much what it was. Yeah. So they wouldn't let Sanders run, so we got Trump. Yeah. And here we are today. And everyone's still angry because it's still completely fucked. Oh, it's even you know? worse. I mean, we're our government is so destabilized right now. It's ridiculous. God. And anyway, we're running really risk. We're running the risk of turning this into a conversation about politics. And how do we steer away from that now? Yeah. It's like this horrible black hole. <laughs> I keep so, feeling it every single so episode. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we almost fell into it in the last episode, but no, we're not going there now, folks. Somehow or another, if it takes doing an assembly of silence moment right now. Damn Damn it, that's what we're going to do. That might have been the first emergency assembly of silence moment. Let's see if it did the trick. We may have to go right back in there. <laughs> You know, I don't get as angry as I used to. I used to, yeah. I used to be really angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember experiencing road rage, and I remember mm-hmm. moving to New York and making a pact with myself. I promised that once I was no longer able to empathize with the people on the street, mm. that I would leave. Yeah, and it got to that point. It was about five years, and I was at the point where I was just like, I don't care what the fuck's going on. I've just got to get from point A to point B as quickly as I can. Is as soon as I realized that that's where my head was at, I was like, I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, for a lot of it's circumstantial. I mean, mm-hmm. anger really does seem to be, it's not just, it is our headspace and it is our attitude, but it's also there are circumstances that really bring it out. Oh, and, and, and we are in a time where it's just like, like you said, so many boundaries are being crossed. So, so many people are being abused by the systems and... And this is a, a, a historical cycle, right? We see this time and time again, mm-hmm. right? So this is it's it, it's what basically spurs revolutions and civil wars yep, and absolutely right. So it's, the anger builds and builds and builds, and then it just pops. So is there a way that we can talk about what anger signifies, not just within the individual, but within the species? Well, like, so the is, collective. is it an indicator of a fundamental <clears throat> imbalance within the species? Because I know that, that in the Chinese, traditional Chinese way of looking at the five elements, the appearance of an emotion would be an indication of an imbalance. Yeah. And so, you know, you have anger with wood, liver, and you have this kind of joy, which is like a positive or negative thing. So you could think of mania as being mm-hmm. a version of that, which is fire and the heart. And you've got earth, which is like uh, obsessiveness, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with, associated with the stomach, mm-hmm. right? So continually trying to feed yourself. like. Mm-hmm. And then metal is grief, which is associated with the lung. And then water is fear, which is associated with the kidneys. Mm. So, um, you know... 
obviously all of those make themselves apparent in in the world that we're uh, that we're living. The hu- human experience has a wide range of emotion associated with it, and it seems that that emotion does get more and more intense. So does that? I mean, it seems like that would reasonably. Um, indicate a kind of basic disharmony, basic kind of uh, non-function or dysfunction within the quote-unquote organ system of the species, if you like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like anger historically has been when there's uh, been great injustice mm-hmm. um, and inadequate and, and inequality. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Against but, the people. Right. But, you know, uh, there would be times where anger would be expressed towards the gods. Right. Right, which was right. considered uh, kind of a sin, but it, it shows that the anger is something that comes about just as a result of the condition of being um, a feeling like there's been an unfair event that's really cut you off from potential. Right, right. right. So it's like... <clears throat> Um, it's not necessarily just towards other human beings who are agents of this type of, uh, of crime, you could say, but that the universe itself has the potential to create those circumstances. And then when people would lose their shit, they would get angry at the gods, right? Right. How could they let, the, how could they let this happen? Right. Yeah. 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 So, and I think that in, that's one of the things that has led people away from an appreciation of the divine because of the, of the disasters that have happened throughout time. You know, like some people say that mm-hmm. what really destroyed the faith in God within the Jewish community was the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And it's totally understandable. You know, how could God let this happen, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that, I mean, that actually is an interesting thing to contemplate because if you do believe in a God as I do, like how do you account for that? Right. It's it's a tricky business, but you know, on some level, it's deeply integrated into the scriptures that if if you guys fuck this up, you're going to suffer some horrible consequences. It's really it's baked into the pie, you know. Yeah. So, you know, like, <laughs> 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 uh, well, you know, it's kind of like that's like going to the root cause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to, you know, and then you kind of get there. Like, like, like people are just are playthings for the gods, right? So the people are going to do what people do, but Mm -hmm. they're doing it because they're being informed by the gods. So rather than blame people, let's just go to the root cause here, and we'll blame the gods. Fair enough, but then there's the whole thing about free will, which has become a a regular uh, topic on on the podcast. I was listening to it. Oh, you did. You actually listened. Holy shit, we have to talk about that. But, um, but if there is free will, right, then there is individual agency. And so then everything isn't really the fault of the gods except for the fact that, that, that God gave us free will. So I guess you could say, okay. Right it back really <laughs> Once again, oh back to the root cause. Why, why would you give us free will when you know we would fuck it up? <laughs> it's not our fault. Right? Just like Christ said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know? We don't know what we're doing. We have no clue what the hell we're doing. We're just toys. Toys for all these forces and beings of the cosmos. And, you know, we think we have free will. Maybe there's a little bit of hubris in that thought. Interesting. Okay, so you're really making the case that that quite potentially at the essence of it all, there really isn't a, a free will. But if that were the case, then why would 
the universe be designed the way it was? Like if they're, if they're, well, okay. So maybe would you say that even God himself, let's say, doesn't have free will? <laughs> All I can say I is thank God we're not talking about politics. I, that's right. <laughs> but really, that's an interesting question. It's something that, that <laughs> on some level it's answered by Scripture because the gods are always being foiled in one way or another. Like even the God of the Old Testament is continually dismayed by what creation is doing. Right. It's kind of like, what are you doing now? Right. Seriously. But if, the, if we do have some free will, then it would suggest that you know, God also had free will in handing us free will. In that sense, we are made in the image of God. Right. Right. So, yeah, it's one big mess. We all had free will in this thing. God decided to, hey, you know, I don't want them all just to be automatons, toys, right? Right. Let them have their own way of understanding and, and making their own decisions. And I'll give them the information that, you know, would would ha- hopefully prevent them from making a huge mess of it. But it's up to them to decide whether or not they're going to follow that. And, you know, the whole question of what is really represented by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm. right? Mm-hmm. That's a huge part of it because that's basically like everything is for you. Just don't eat of that one. Mm-hmm. All right. That, that was one the, thing. That was, the, that was really the rule. That was the message, right? Mm-hmm. And clearly we did. We ate of it. Right? Couldn't help ourselves. That's the question. <laughs> Could we have helped ourselves? Doesn't seem like it. Well, we certainly didn't. So, you know, that's a good argument in the sense of what happened. But the but potential is, is what we're always also discussing because that's what consciousness is about. And free will is fundamentally about potential that wouldn't otherwise occur, right? Because we're saying, well, we have agency and we can make a determination that we're not going to lose our cookies when we get angry, right? Right. right. So in the same way, it, it, when confronted with the possibility of knowledge, right, mm-hmm. we could potentially say, you know what, <laughs> I know enough to know that I don't know. And I know that if I take more knowledge here, there's the potential that things could go haywire. If everything's going great, then why would I choose that? Right. You know, the whole idea there is that you're basically in the Garden of Eden. Everything is good. Right? Everything's good. Why would you want right. to have some more knowledge about something? Maybe in our circumstances it's more uh, obvious, and I forgive, um, forgive me for going on like this, but mm-hmm. let me done it in a second. <laughs> in our circumstance, it's maybe more understandable that we would be like, you know what, we need a little more knowledge because this is not the Garden of Eden. Things are pretty fucked up, right? So that that is an excuse, a good excuse for making the choice to eat of the fruit, Right. Although maybe that's what just digs a deeper hole for us, you know. Well, I mean, this is this is this is this is classic. I mean, this is like this is. Um, it was, in my opinion, kind of like amateur hour to tell us not to do something. <laughs> <laughs> that's because a good point. how many times, like, if you want to do, if you want to do an experiment, you're driving in the car with a group of people and say, "Don't look," but there's a cop behind us. Right? How many, how many people just turned around and looked? Right? Like, don't this? Well, there's probably there's that. probably at least one right. experienced hoodlum who doesn't turn around. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only the true experienced ones right. listen. Who know like, how to learn. Right, exactly. But then I, I believe they did a study with kids with this, right? And they huh. gave kids, like they said, they put like a donut or, or something like that in front of them. They said, look, don't eat this, okay? 
And then they left the room, huh. right? And they would leave the kid in the room with the donut. Right. Right. <laughs> what do you think happens, right? Of course. Well, there's still like a, there's probably a, a, a a distribution there, <laughs> some sort of a bell curve, right? <laughs> right. So, right. But there, I mean, are, there are I mean, some out, outliers who may have been like, "Well, okay, they said don't," and you know, I know that this stuff rots my teeth, so screw it, I'll just sit here and wait. Some kids there can, probably a few, but we are kids. We're kids. All we're, children of God. We're all children of God, exactly. right? And he did. He it, seriously, amateur hour, just to say, look, you can have everything except for this one thing, right? So you're kind of yeah. making the the Gnostic case in a way, which is that. Uh, the eating of the fruit was a liberation event, you know, that was uh, in, initiated by Satan. So Satan was, you know, Lucifer right. is the one who provided light in a circumstance that we would otherwise be ignorant within. But fuck, I mean, what? we're still completely ignorant, what? so it didn't really get us anywhere. But what did if, it? what if, what if there was the one thing like we needed to eat, and he knew we wouldn't eat it unless he said, "Look." Don't eat this. You're t- you're double guessing. It's like look, it's of, reverse. Of it's God's reverse psychology. <laughs> <laughs> the re- well, the reverse psychology of God. It's definitely true that you know the reversal is a key element within all creation. So like, that yeah. oppositional aspect seems to be that goes way beyond just psychology. Right. So I, I hand it to you there, without a doubt. There does seem to be a big element of that. And and here's the other thing that we have to remember, and that is if if we truly do believe that there is a God, mm-hmm. if we truly do believe that God created all of creation, mm-hmm. then we have to believe that everything is the mind of God unfolding. I, I I do believe that. So who's to say? It wasn't like, don't eat this. I can't wait till they eat that. You know? Because once they eat that, then this sets this trajectory. It's I, you know, we're all. This is such a a wonderful game of what if, or <laughs> you know, who the hell knows any of this? We're mm-hmm. just dancing around in in the fantastical yeah, at this complete moment speculation in time. On every but, level. but this is great. It's, it's really, I'm really enjoying this conversation right now. Yeah, me too. Um, this is why we do this. <laughs> so, so you know, it is all the mind of God unfolding. Mm. Mm-hmm. So everything is right on time. Yes. Well, yeah. And time, of course, you know, is uh, from to my way of seeing it, not a actual attribute of the physical creation. Mm-hmm. It's an, a, an abstraction that's held within consciousness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So everything is always on time in the sense that it's all happening now. You know, even the cons- if something was supposed to be different, it would be, and it will be, and it will be. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's where hope lies, right? Because mm-hmm. it is continually transforming, and we are so ignorant that we really don't know where it's going. All of creation is, is in a constant state of becoming. Mm-hmm. But it's also understandable that we would want to have some sense of how to comport ourselves so that it would lead to a better place. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's pretty clear that we've made some unfortunate decisions, and so they do kind of fall into that category of, well... You know, it's hard to make the case that by our greater understanding of the way the physical world functions, mm-hmm. that we've created a better circumstance for ourselves. It seems pretty clear that we've dismantled an awful lot of things that we rely on in order to keep this whole thing going. So. Yeah. Uh, it may have been better if we had sought spiritual knowledge instead of knowledge of the material realm. So maybe more of a Gertian approach to science where the consciousness was, if not the main, certainly 
um, a integrated part of the examination. Mm-hmm. And per- perhaps of thinking of like, you know, operations within consciousness instead of thinking about bringing about particular material results, we might have had a better uh, overall approach, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard to say, but I think at this point it's worth a shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about, you know, this is experiment Earth. Yeah. Right. And we if we live if we live in a truly infinite cosmos, God knows how many planets there are where there's life. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, and and I mean, and who knows like I mean, we're we're we can see three dimensions, right? God knows what actually exists out there. I I don't. God, yeah, God I mean, does. But I actually, my, my suspicion is that it's fewer than three when it comes to the physical domain, mm-hmm. but that's a whole other story. Mm. But it's interesting to consider that potential because mm-hmm. um, three is a very, you know, it really has to do with a linear conception of the unfolding of space. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. idea is that you'd have an XYZ axis, basically. Now, are straight lines part of the natural order? Doesn't seem Doesn't like Doesn't seem like it. Yeah. I mean, maybe in the crystalline structure of, of some matter. Right. Right? Right. But for the most part, not really. I'm not, yeah. It seems like spin is way more important. Spin seems to be the theme. Mm-hmm. The underlying theme. Mm-hmm. And so we have, we're very Earth-centric, obviously, because mm-hmm. we're on this planet, right? And so we think like, oh my God, if we fuck this up, this is the end of everything. That's, I think, a, a very appropriate way of thinking. I, I don't think there's a problem with being Earth-centric, even no. if we're going to acknowledge, you know, the the structure of the solar system, structure of the galaxy, etc., mm-hmm. um, here we are. Right. And as far as we know, we can't really be anywhere else. At least most of us won't get there. Right. And those who do get there, seems like there's going to be a pretty different result than what they're expecting. <laughs> a lot of unknowns, a lot of variables. It's like knock yourself out, Elon. If you right. get out there, right. it's going to be interesting to see what happens. One, but once again, if we were meant to be somewhere else. We would be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, there's also that kind of, uh, if you're going to take it in, in uh, a meta stage, like there's a, there's a sense in which we all were circumscribed to certain areas of the planet at one point, and if we had meant to live somewhere else, then we would have, and we did. You know, right. at a certain point, we had adventurers who were like, you know what, I know that ocean is choppy, and we really don't have a particularly good seafaring vessel, but what the fuck, I'm going out there anyway, and we're going to see what happens. And mm-hmm. people... You know, a lot of people died <laughs> along yeah. the way. Adventurers and, were, you know, and not a great have survival rate. We can thank them for globalization. I know it's a disaster, it's, it's but you know, <laughs> just that's just to say that that spirit exists within us, and so it makes sense that we would continue to have that idea when it came to. But I, you know, it's exciting to think about what planet will go fuck up next. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I saw a, a, a bumper sticker from the, the radical environmentalist group Earth First, and it, 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 it's exactly what it said. It said, Earth First will fuck up all the other planets later. It was basically <laughs> like that. That's where it was. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the grand experiment for us, isn't it? It's the... And w- w- we're doing a mighty good job of fucking it all up. We sure are. And, and you know, there's something interesting that just that I just noticed in what we've been doing in this conversation, <laughs> which is that, you know, like fucking up the earth is something that really everyone has a right to be very angry about. Yeah. 
you know, a- across the board, all the way down the line. And some people are living in more of that now, but I think it's beginning to encroach on everyone, you know, like uh, there's a certain amount of uh, radioactive uh, particles now in every square meter of atmosphere because of the you know, nuclear experiments that we've been doing and, you know, leaks and what have you. And then there's plastic everywhere too, you know, and the water supply, there's all kinds of problems. So it's like, that is absolutely infuriating. Like that, you know, some of this we've known about long enough that had there been some serious regulation and uh, reconsideration of some of our technologies, we could have done something about it. But because of the profit motive and laziness and uh, people wanting to avoid liability and not having to admit that this is what's happened as a result of various businesses and that sort of thing, it's just, it's just continued to a large extent. You know, there have been some regulations and what have you, but it's not – we got problems, big mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm. And, and so on some level, it seems like an appropriate, you know, alternative to anger perhaps is laughter like you know and maybe it's just because we're not living in a garbage dump right now that we can laugh and i i feel like a little bit of guilt about that because the 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 world that's crumbling is becoming incredibly toxic for a lot of people and and uh we're relatively you know but even out here in the hinterlands there's a lot of toxicity going on. It's kind of unbelievable the extent to which it's, you know, penetrated everywhere. Right, right. So, you know, maybe I wonder to what extent when we're thinking about the anger issue that um, that laughter is an appropriate response. I don't know. And it's a tragic me, comedy. You know? It's a tragic comedy, exactly. And the, is, the absurdity is so great that... Sometimes you just got to have a little laughter. Like, how can you even? Otherwise, you're 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 just in the the descent to to hell, right? And you there's know, no and there's no coming back because it's so big, right? It's so big, it's paralyzing, and it. I mean, you you'll just be depressed the rest of your life, right? And, and so it's like a it, it's it's recognizing the absurdity of the situation that. <laughs> You know, people have have endured incredible hardship and maintained a uh, a relatively, you know, um, philosophically humorous disposition. I guess. Well, I would say that this is also the key role of the court jester, huh. right? Yeah. That was always very essential. Right, and and always, at, you know, at great risk of losing favor. Yeah. You know. So yeah. yeah. You know, there, there, there's humor to be found in, 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 in all of it, in, in, in the intensity. Mm-hmm. It has to be. There has to be. So and it's I, sort of the opposite end of, uh, of letting off steam, like the anger thing that can turn into violence where people are in a rage and they're yeah. kind of, you know, so there's that. I guess it's so, I mean, more of like resignation to the circumstance. What can what can you do? That's the thing. What can you do? You know, and it seems like wallowing in the anger is an assumption that somehow or another this should be different. That we can make it different. That you know you're going to do something about it and turn God it bless around. You if you can, I know, right? 
God it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like anger will result in that. No. But I, I think the collective anger is building because of things you have just you just mentioned is the fact that every person on this planet right now, for the most part, understands that we are living in a time where our where in a moment's notice we this planet could be wiped out. Right. We 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 sit with the with the threat of nuclear war looming over us. Yeah. Environmental collapse looming over us. The the sheer toxicity of our environment is in our face constantly. Yeah. I mean in 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 a, in a mere 70 years. Right. We have managed to just completely toxify this planet. To a point that's practically beyond repair. Well, I don't know if completely is really fair, but yes, no, but it's, it's, it's gotten to an extreme level, and and there's no doubt. I think that the bomb is really the first. It's when everyone realized, holy shit, yeah, like this, like we, we we could do we this could blow thing this thing to hell, yep. because of somebody's unchecked anger. Mm-hmm. Or even just a mistake, or a mistake, even exactly. just a misreading of a situation. Right. Right, and so you know we're 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 just in a time that's like yeah no no well no shit that we we have levels of stress off the chart anxiety more and more people with anxiety mm-hmm. um, depression go on and on bipolar schizophrenia let's just keep going with all the psychological issues the gut issues the gut issues I see today is are off the chart mm-hmm. and um, is that what you see most of. Oh, it's it's a, a vast majority of of, of what I see uh, these days, and I mean, I was I just wrote an article, it's my my next blog, and um, on something called the migrating motor complex, which is the uh, um, way that when we're in a fasting state, the enteric nervous system and the central nervous system work together to stimulate these. A series of contractions from the stomach through the small intestine to sweep out undigested food. Mm-hmm. Right? I can feel that happening. Yeah, and I can totally feel it. And I was just doing some research for that, and I mean, this is kind of like the root cause of SIBO, which is which I'm seeing so much of. SIBO is like the next big thing in the world of gut issues, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Hmm. And this is what, what happens: is the migrating motor complex shuts down or under functions and people start losing that that contractile muscular movement mm-hmm. and uh, and so food undigested food builds up and bacteria start to ferment on it or cultivate on it and you get this population of bacteria and, and then this leads to constipation or and that's why carbohydrates are such a problem because if you're loading it with carbohydrates you're just giving all that bacteria something to feed off of exactly that it really wants right and if you've got shitty digestion and you're not fully digesting your carbohydrates well then you've got maldigested carbohydrates and then that's i mean there's a whole bunch of toxic oh, byproducts just, of that shit yeah right? start pulling the thread so i was doing some research and you know constipation is a is is a sign mm-hmm. of of an underfunctioning migrating motor complex and you know I've been there so 60 to 70 million people in this country suffer from one or more gut issues with somewhere around 63 million people having chronic constipation that's a that's a lot of people right there And, and what's really fascinating is that chronic constipation is actually one of the first warning signs of Parkinson's Really, which is where this is, and this is the 
gut-brain axis. This is that communication between the vagus nerve, the autonomic nervous system, and the enteric nervous system, the nervous system of the gut. Mm. So chronic constipation can show up 20 years before Parkinson's. Wow. And it's like it's like the first warning sign. Oh, you have chronic constipation? We need to start really paying attention to that. Huh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, gut issues. Why? Digestion. I can't digest this shit that's going on in the world today. Right. There's too much to like literally digest. Huh. Right? We're constantly digesting. Right. And it gets back to your whole thing of nourishment. Like, what are we, what is actually nourishing of the various things that we're taking in, whether that's food substances or information or entertainment products or music or whatever? We swim in nutrition like a fish does water, mm-hmm. right? Everything is food. And a lot of what we're surrounded by today is junk food. Well, it's just like the environment, it's been polluted. Exactly. You know, so there's a, like a byproduct yep. in essence that's toxic to us, which that's is right. what, you know, species always produce produce effluence that's toxic to the species. That's mm-hmm. why we get it out of the body. Mm-hmm. And it's like the more of that that there is circulating, the harder time the species is going to have. So that in and itself is sort of a, um, it's a way of looking at the dysfunction and the various emotional states that we're plunged into in a kind of much larger context that in essence the species has now produced so much effluence of, of a wide range that is always toxic to the species. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And we can no longer just pack it away somewhere else. We've lost the ability to completely sequester it, and now it's filtering into our lives in various ways. Mm-hmm. It's extraordinarily challenging, but it is also a basic driver within evolution. Yeah. I think we've talked about this in the past. I think we're pushing ourselves to the brink of where it's going to become a biological necessity to change. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and that's the only way that it's going to happen. Right. It's right. like where we're at, at the brink and it becomes an absolute biological necessity that we either, either we turn this ship around or, or it's going down in a blaze of glory. But really, I think that the potential for turning the ship around has long been, you know, we, we, we're well past that point this, yeah. at, at this time. Yeah. So we're going to end up changing some fundamental way. Well, we're going to we're going to have to adapt to the environment and that's going to and because the environment's so toxic we're going to see a lot of interesting mutations start to take place i think well it's it's very concerning too because you start to see that when an ecosystem goes and I, I shouldn't use the word ecosystem because i've been recently kind of reminded of the bias that's inherent in that term. It's a really interesting documentary called All Watched Over by Machines of Loving Grace, this Adam Curtis documentary. That I've heard of it. It's an amazing documentary. Everyone should watch it. It's required viewing. You can't listen to any more of our podcasts until you've watched <laughs> that. So, um, uh, Could we take a break? I need to go watch that, then we'll come back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, got that under your belt now? Wow. It's pretty intense, right? Wow. <laughs> anyway, ecosystem is is a shitty word, but I, I think I I've, like it. Well, see, the problem is that it implies system, mm. right? And system means producing a particular outcome, right? We design systems so that we can control circumstances, mm. right? Mm. But 
that's not really how nature works, right? right? Nature's right. way more dynamic and interactive. And it seems that, I mean, one of our big problems is that whenever we try to intervene and impose our idea of whatever the hell it is we think is going on there, mm-hmm. we screw it up even more. <laughs> you know, there's your, you know, eating of the, tr- of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And this is where the Gertian method really comes in handy mm-hmm. because this is, his whole thing was experiment is the mediator between subject and object and it's all about relationship. And a lot of it is really observing natural cycle, not interfering with it, exactly. and being able to like draw some kind of uh, abstract understanding without getting all messed up in it. Like you That's don't right. have to like torture animals in order to understand how life is working. And you, right? and, and you sure as hell can't take something out of its environment and understand it. Right, exactly. There is no such thing as an identity separate from an environment. The environment influences the object, and the object influences the environment right back. Absolutely. They're part and parcel. You cannot take something out and, and, and isolate it and look at it and think you know a, a damn thing about it. Even the Taoists understood hundreds of years before Goethe that yeah, I think the phrase that they say is, uh, take a, ki- uh, a pig and put it in a cage, and it's like any other thing because it can't exercise its own potential, right? So separating it from it, it's really no longer what it is. Right. You've robbed it of, of its own identity. Right. You can't study it in a cage. And that's one of the biggest problems with you know the whole laboratory way of approaching things is that you're taking things and you're completely removing them from all context and trying to say what it is and how it works. It's like, oi, they. I've been saying for a long time <laughs> that our scientific method is not valid. Mm. It's, 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 we need a new, we need a new method. Mm-hmm. Not to throw it out, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right. but we need a method that actually takes into consideration the full dynamism of life. And consciousness. Yeah. Absolutely. Consciousness has got to be folded into that too. But yeah, I was discussing earlier with with, uh, a couple of friends about how science progresses. There's that famous book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions. I think the author is Thomas Kuhn. And he basically says that science progresses one coffin at a time (laughs) (laughs) because there's such a, you know, there's all of this institutional inertia and you have these like uh, incredibly charismatic, important figures who kind of define a field. And so anything that would go against any of that is a threat to the entire institution. So there's an incredible amount of resistance to really reconsider the foundations of things. And as a consequence, we end up with, you know, following along in the footsteps of something that's really outdated for an incredibly long time and ending up in a crisis situation because people are unwilling to reconsider and have to admit that, hey, you know, all the stuff I've been teaching for the last 30 years, maybe not exactly right. Yep. You know, it's it's tragic. It's right. absolutely tragic because, of course, the whole concept of science is that it would be continually reevaluating itself. Mm-hmm. And on some level it does, but it's like it's only willing to go so far towards the root. You know, like even like the branches, maybe there's a certain degree of reevaluation. The further out you get to the edges, it's like, yeah, we're continually reevaluating. But when it comes like down to the root, the scientific method, right, is about right. as close to the root as it can get. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they're pretty well married to that one. Yeah, it's and that's the importance of not being married to what you think. I guess so, yeah. Right? Like literally being open to constantly reevaluating. Right. I mean, what you said, I think the, the most dramatic example of that was, um, uh, of course, I blank his name now, but the gentleman who first introduced the concept of washing your hands before delivering a baby huh. as a doctor. Uh-huh. 
And he said, that's going to cut down infant mortality. He was left out of practice. Right. <laughs> right. He, was, he literally went insane. Huh. Wow. And, and, huh. and because they thought that was the, the establishment at that time thought that was insane. Wow. That wa- how could washing your hands prevent, you know, reduce infant mortality. Right. And, and well, guess what, folks? Basic, hmm. right? 101, wash your hands to reduce infection. Well, I heard something very interesting recently. Um, I should actually just walk right over there because I could then tell you what it was. But, <laughs> but Is it being spoken over there? Uh, no, it's just on a, on a device. So fill up time for a second. I'll go get this thing. For those who cannot see like I can, Noah is walking and getting... A iPad. device, the, oh, the iPad, the beholder of all information. Yeah. Are so you going to Google it? No, it was, <laughs> it was an interview that I just listened to. I was waiting for you to show up. And it was with a, a gentleman by the name of uh, Christopher Ryan. Christopher Ryan. He wrote a book called Civilized to Death. Oh. He makes a very interesting point about human lifespan. He says that that we have this idea that human life used to be short, brutish, and and what have you. The, mm-hmm. That's the classic phrase, right? But that's because infant mortality is folded into that number. So if you actually consider what they have information about with regards to lifespan, if you survive to the age of 10, then most people would, would live a relatively long life. They would be more likely to live in their 60s or 70s than to... Mm-hmm. You know, the assumption is that people would live to about 35, but that's, be, that's the average if you take into account right. all of the infant mortality. And the infant mortality was filtering out what we now would filter out with abortions because you would have you know, children who were in various ways unable to survive. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. so birth defects—you name it. Like, there's a whole yeah. range of things that, mm-hmm. but those numbers aren't included in the modern uh, lifespan statistics. So, the numbers of of children who are lost due to various um, pregnancy terminations, right, is not part of the of the lifespan calculation nowadays. So, it's a little skewed in that way. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. I'd never heard anything like that before. Uh, why is it raining on your phone? I don't. I don't know. I, I, I had the billionth search. Apparently, I don't know. Um, but I was going to say the gentleman's name. Uh, the doctor was Semmelweis. Huh. Semmelweis. For those of you who want to go research that, but it's quite the story. So was he so, one of those guys who, like you know, like so many, were, because of his uh, difficulty in getting his ideas across, was sort of ostracized, ostracized, and, laughed out of practice, eventually went insane. Huh. Yeah. Um, There's so many stories like that in the sciences. It's oh, really, it's, it's distressing. Brutal. Yeah. You know, I think what, you know, when you're looking, coming back to what you were saying, you know, when you're looking at indigenous people or, or hunter-gatherer cultures and say our ancestors, once you made it past a certain point, if you didn't die, say, when you were in, in your 20s or whatnot, if you made it past your 20s, the, there was a, a real strong likelihood you would live. Yep. To your old old age, exactly, yeah, like sixties, seventies. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that's interesting that kind of uh, correlates with some of the things we've been discussing. He said that these types of early hunter gatherer societies, people were way more likely to be laughing no matter what happened. So he's saying like, you have a day where you catch a lot of fish, where you don't catch any fish. 
they're likely to be kind of amused by all of it either way, right? He even said that if you're in a, in a situation where you uh, experience a disaster, like if your hut gets blown over by a gale-force wind, you're likely to laugh at that too, uh, that people had a kind of humorous disposition towards things. So maybe there's you know, a way in which when you're fitting in with your environment and there's a kind of a healthy relationship there, that the response is laughter instead of anger. Mm. I'm kind of going back to the idea that there's some kind of a, an axis between laughter and anger that's appropriate. Because you know, I find that if I'm able to find the thing that's funny, then the anger dissipates almost immediately. Right, right. I think we just have so much pressure on ourselves, mm-hmm. the amount of chronic stress. Right. Like people are so locked in to their sympathetic nervous system. Right. People are in chronic fight, flight, freeze right now. Yep. And, um, and I, our ancestors weren't. Right. Right. Because they were familiar with the stressors. Like the stressors were things that they had a lifetime of experience and understanding with. And so they knew what to do under the very circumstances they were confronted with. Right. We're always being confronted with new stressors, new, and, and, and like a sense of, it's, there's no stop to it. It's chronic yeah, instead of it and being. And it's just getting harder and harder. And I mean, you, it, 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 it's becoming more complicated and harder yep. all the time. It's pervasive. Yeah. complicated and increasing intensity, whereas in the past, when there was a healthy relationship with our environment, it was only momentary, like stressors would happen at right. pivotal moments, and they yeah. would probably last for a very short period of time, yep. right? Yeah. And uh, and it wouldn't be complicated in the sense that it would be within the range of the things that one would expect. Mm-hmm. It's not like a completely unprecedented feeling of like, oh, 5G is moving in. What's that going to mean? Right. You know, like... Or, what are all these electromagnetic devices doing to my nervous system? Right. Or how about just making a call to get a hold of your insurance company to find out about something? And exactly. You get shuffled around and around and around, and, and all you're getting is computer voices. You're never talking to a human. Mm-hmm. No, you, you know, it's like it's the, based it's, on it's, like it's, incredibly complicated documents that no one understands. It's and, set up to dissuade you from even pursuing. Yep. You know? Absolutely. And and how frustrating is that, right? Outrageously, particularly if you're ill, if you need, if you really need help. I see it all the time at the clinic. Right. Yep. You know, people whose insurance company is just, you know, leave them high and dry. Right. And they're facing a little, you know, you got a person with cancer dying, they you know, they're, they're exhausted, chronically nauseous if they're doing chemotherapy or something like that. And, and they have to like, they have to fight the insurance company for them to pay for their treatment while they're dying. It's absolutely disgusting. Mind blowing. Yeah. It's an abomination. Absolutely. And this is what we've created. You know, so why is this? So for me, when I look out, it's like, yeah, I can totally get why the anger is spilling out mm-hmm. right now. The frustration, which is just another form of anger. And but again, it doesn't lead to any, it's like, it's not, I don't know how we address this situation because it's, it is so pervasive and it is so far down, down the road. And it just feels like a ship that's way too heavy to turn around. 
Yeah. And, and yeah. So what is the appropriate way to to navigate the situation? It's, it's Jesus like, take the wheel. Seriously. <laughs> Amen. Jesus take the wheel. Somebody steer this ship for us because we have we have lost control. We are it. fucking drunk at the wheel. Yep. <laughs> yep. And and the people who are supposed to be uh, responsible for for leading are like, you know, they're just fighting amongst themselves about things that are really not that important to everyone's day-to-day life. Like the impeachment. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Quick. That was close, man. We barely made it out of that one. Luckily, well, we, we've we've already done like an hour, so know, this is great. we could we could terminate this and I not think, even discuss the impeachment. I think that's Fuck. a I think that's a brilliant <laughs> Let's idea. Let's do it quick. <laughs> I think we we could wrap Thanks this. Thanks for coming baby back, It's really great to have you here. Okay, man. We'll talk okay. to you later. Bye bye. <laughs> listening. We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember, turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home. <laughs>